I was sharing with the guys at the weekend that I feel God's laid Isaiah 54 on my heart for you. And he said, well, that's amazing. We've been kind of referring to a bit of that and we've done this banner. And I just, if you've got a Bible, I wonder if you could refer and turn to Isaiah 54. I want to give the context to this because the context actually is all about feeling at home. That's interesting. The context to this is the people of God were not at home. They were in exile. They'd been taken out of their homeland. I know there are many refugees and asylum seekers that we've had the absolute privilege and honour to bless and encourage. And you guys know what it's like to be ripped out of your homeland. You know what it's like to be taken from a land that was home and taken to a foreign land. The people of God who'd been given a land by God. We haven't got time to look at the story, but if you remember, they were taken out of Egypt with Joseph, who had brought them into Egypt into such blessing, but then they got into slavery, and they were taken out of Egypt by Moses. They wandered through the desert for many years, and then through Joshua, they were brought into the promised land. They were given a land flowing with milk and honey, and God gave them some promises. And he said this, If you follow me with your hearts, if you love me, if you put me first, you are going to be the most blessed people on planet Earth. I'm going to bless you and multiply you and through you the light of the gospel and the grace of God is going to go from the land to the nations. However, and there's often a however, isn't there? If you don't follow me, if you don't put me first, if you intermarry and intermingle with the nations around. And God's not against mixed marriages. God is against taking on the practices that were abhorrent to him in the other nations. There was child sacrifice. There was temple prostitution. There was all sorts of Baal and Asherah worship centres where all sorts of ugly demonic practices were going on. And God said, you're to be a light to the nations. You're to shine light into that darkness not let that darkness penetrate you. But unfortunately, they did the opposite. They intermingled. They allowed the demonic practices of the nations around them to influence them. And God said, if you do that, there's going to be some judgment. You see, it's important we understand judgment does come if we disobey. And not punishment, but judgment. And actually, a better word for that is probably discipline. See, God disciplines those he loves. Good parents discipline their children. In fact, if you don't discipline your children, all sorts of havoc is let loose. And we kind of see that in our society, don't we? If you lessen the rules, if you lessen the values, if you lessen the principles, actually chaos ensues. And the people of God, see, God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his discipline. And he said, I'm going to take you out of the land and I'm going to put you into captivity for a season to discipline you. And Isaiah was a prophet raised up by God to speak, actually comfort, because God is good, although he's faithful to his word in terms of discipline, he's also faithful in love and mercy and grace, even in discipline. And even in that disciplined time, he raised up prophets like Isaiah to speak blessing to the people of God. And Isaiah speaking to the people, he said, yeah, you're in captivity now, you're in difficulty now, but there's coming a time when one who will come will set you free. 
There's coming a time when you're going to go back to the land. There's coming a time when you're going to be prosperous and fruitful and multiply again. There's coming a time when you're going to be a light to the nations again. There's coming a time and therefore you should look forward and rejoice and be glad because although you feel right now under discipline, God's going to bring you back and he's going to bring you great favour. Now you might feel under discipline right now. You might feel you're in a foreign land. You might feel you're in difficulty. You might feel you're in captivity. You might feel there ain't much to rejoice about in my life. But God's goodness and faithfulness is coming to you today and he's going to say to you, rejoice. He's going to say to you, be glad. He's going to say to you, I am going to give you goodness and love and mercy and grace and I'm going to bring you out of captivity back into a land of promise and mercy and grace because God is faithful and God is good. So that's kind of the background to this passage. The people of God in difficulty, the people of God in captivity. So let's have a read of it. Isaiah chapter 54. You could read it on the curtain if you like, but I'm going to read it out of the Bible. I've got to be honest with you, I've never preached out of this passage until this season because I found this passage quite painful. There are passages of the Bible, aren't there, that you, you find painful? There's passages of the Bible that you find difficult? There's passages of the Bible that, you know, if you've got a bruise or an injury, you're fine until somebody pokes the bruise or you walk on the injury or you sit uncomfortably and you go, ah, that hurts. And this passage can hurt sometimes. It can hurt for us because it talks about childlessness and we... You know our story, we weren't able to have children. It talks about the barren rejoicing. And uh, people used to come to Anne and I quite often, in good heart, probably there's some in this very room, and they would say things like this, yeah, we, we know it's sad for you guys, we know that you haven't been able to have children, we know that there's difficulty in that, we know that you haven't had natural children, but you've got spiritual children all over the world. Isn't that wonderful? And Anne goes, if another person says that to me, I'll slap them. (laughs) Not in the spirit. And you know Anne, she is not talking metaphorically. But the truth is this. We have children all over the world. Some of them are in this very room. Some of them are older than us and some of them are younger than us and some of them are, you know, that is true. God is faithful. Anyway, I'm preaching ahead of myself. Let's get to the reading. We haven't even read it yet. I'm just telling you why it's been a difficult passage for us. But listen. Sing, or rejoice, sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labour, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who's had a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the left or to the right and to the left and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. This is what it's saying. Although you feel barren right now, although you feel sad right now, see that's what would happen. The children of God were sad in Babylon. In fact, the Babylonians used to come to them as a famous psalm 
made famous by a, a, a pop group in the 1970s, and some of you are old enough to remember this, but the Babylonians would come to them and they'd said this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, here we wept when we remembered Zion. That's it, I don't know anymore. <laughs> but they came to them and said this, sing us, sing us one of your Zion songs, sing us one of your, your happy songs. We don't feel happy, we feel sad. How can we sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land? That's what they said. But actually the truth is this, because God is giving you hope and a future, because God is faithful to his promise, even in difficulties, even in troubles, even in times when you feel under discipline, even in times of despair, even in times when circumstances seem to be pushing you down, actually you can rejoice. Actually you can praise God. And it says in the Bible, even though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no fruit on the vine and even though the cattle seem to be in trouble, actually I choose to rejoice in God because he's my saviour, because he's the one who'll give and he's the one who'll bless. You can and we can and we see all sorts of instances in the Bible of people praising God, rejoicing even in difficult times. We see the apostles in jail. You know, Paul and Silas, this is, they, they worshipped God. They started to sing because they didn't see themselves sitting in jail. They saw themselves seated with Christ in heavenly places. And they start to rejoice and worship and sing. And even as they're doing that, doors are opening and jails are being, uh, people are being set free. You see, as we start to step into worship and praise, as we start to be joyful and, and, and to worship him, circumstances around us change. And you see, we want things to change and then we worship God. But actually it's the other way around. We worship him even in difficulty, even in circumstances, even in trouble. And as we do that, things start to change. And this whole passage is saying, although you feel fruitless right now, although you feel childless right now, although you feel barren right now, there's coming a time when you will have more children than the barren didn't have. That actually even the barren, even the desolate one, is going to have more children than the fruitful one. How is that going to happen? Because it's not natural. He's not talking about IVF. He's not talking about natural childbirth. He's talking about spiritual childbirth. He's talking about those who are going to be born again. Jesus even used that analogy about people becoming Christians. You may be on the Alpha course. By the way, we love the Alpha course here at Jubilee. Such a great way to engage with friends and get to know people and hear their stories and share our stories of hope, of joy. The metaphor, the picture that Jesus so often uses and the apostles use for someone becoming a Christian, a Christ follower, is someone who's starting a new life like being born again, like a new thing. And, and that's true. People in this room have been born twice. We've been born natural children and then we've been born again children of God. 
And what God is promising through this scripture is you are going to have more supernatural births. He's promising you're going to have more people born again. And I believe God wants to, as I was preparing this, I believe God spoke to me about Jubilee and said you've had many people born again down through the years, but there's coming a new season of fruitfulness. There's coming a new season on this church where we will see many, many more people born again than we've had before. And there seems to be lots of people having babies as well in this church, which is great, but actually God says it's far more than babies. You've had 10, 20, 30 babies. He's going to give you 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 people saved. Much more in the spirit. Much more fruitfulness. Much more. And it's going to give you guys... I mean, you look, they're, people, they're happy with babies. Well, sometimes they're happy, Alice, aren't they? They're, ha- they're happy. <laughs> Smile when I'm saying it. <laughs> they're happy. You're going to have so much joy. This church is going to be known as a church primarily of joy. And in a difficult season, and we can't pretend right now that our nation isn't in a difficult season. We can't pretend that our royal family isn't in a difficult season. We can't pretend that our politics isn't in a difficult season. We can't pretend that our finances and our health care and our police and our education system aren't in a difficult season. It's getting darker and darker in the world. And do you know what? The contrast is being turned up. The world's getting darker, but the church is getting lighter and brighter. And our joy is going to be seen. Our life in the spirit is going to be seen. And I prophesy this is going to be Macmillan and this centre here and wherever you guys meet it's going to be places of joy and blessing. Why? Because God's going to give you more and more new birth, more and more new children. Now I was talking to Anne about this and she said, well actually God's been speaking to me about joy as well. So this is Anne. So as Jeremy has been talking about joy, I am so stirred about the importance and significance of joy in our lives and in the Bible in Galatians 5 it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit love joy peace long-suffering kindness there's a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit that as the Holy Spirit works in us that those fruit are manifest in our lives but we always talk about love and we often talk about peace But the middle one is joy of those first three. Now, when you go to the supermarket and you buy a packet of food or a can of food, on the back is a list of ingredients, even more so nowadays because of our health and safety and et cetera, et cetera. Peanuts may contain nuts and that sort of thing. Um, So that list is done in order of volume. Now, I've just taken a little bit of theological license because it's not true, but if joy is the second fruit listed, then I think it's of a a sort of second importance to love. But please, that's not a theologically correct, but that's the way I want to interpret it today. So, I just want to chat a little bit more about the joy of the Lord in our lives. Andrew Wilson, in his book called Spirit and Sacrament, he says this, Christians have joy unspeakable, full of glory. But you might not know it to look at us. (laughs) So children laugh on average 150 times a day. 
But apart from Anne Simpkins and Shirley Graham, <laughs> on average, only six times a day does an adult laugh. So you get amongst Shirley or me, then you'll, you might get up to the 150. But it's interesting. Jesus wants us to be like children. Mm. And I think that joy needs to be restored mm. in our lives. Mm. The Christian faith uniquely combines laughter and tears, joy and solemnity. In Psalm 126, in the message, it says this, we laughed, so message is like a paraphrase, it's not an accurate translation, so sometimes it's fun to read. We laughed, we sang, God was wonderful to us, we are one happy people. This psalm celebrates the return to Zion, as Jeremy was talking about earlier, of the people who had been in captivity. They are so happy. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. I mean, this morning, sorry, I may be moving back here sooner than I think, but um, I hope, but it was wonderful. It was beautiful this morning. God is so good. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. I just want to give you a little story. And obviously a lot of you do know me, but some of you don't know me. And obviously I'm making that point about laughter and joy. But over 30 years ago, um, I had a sort of crushing comment made to me. And someone said to me, a friend in the church, a leader in the church, and she said to me, Anne, your laughter does you no favours. That, as you can imagine, you know, Jeremy married me because of my character and personality as well as other things, but, you know, I'm, I'm a think on the whole, generally, I haven't changed much when it comes to having fun. I do like having fun. I know Dave Gibson misses me on the choir here because I'm the one that, surely I know tries to catch you know, to make up for me, but she can't do it quite. <laughs> and um, so that is me. So that put Jeremy and I in quite a difficult place because he loves me and he loves the character that God has made me. And so we had a, a period of what do you do with that? Because really, I was, I was shut down. And this was in the 80s. And in those days, we had um, an amazing speaker from the United States. He was part of the Vineyard Movement, and he came and spoke in Brighton. Now, we were living down south, so we went to a lot of these conferences. But at the end of his preach, he often used to just stand on the stage and wait. And he used to wait and see what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. Because sometimes we just need to give that space, which we did this morning. And he put his hand out, and it was in an auditorium of about 3,000 people. And I was sitting middle balcony and with my friends from the Hastings Church. And he put his hand out like this, and he said, Holy Spirit, come. And he just drew his hand round like this. And as he did that, people started laughing. Now, you know what it's like with infectious laughter. But... Although that can seem fleshly, I think God uses that. And as his hand went round the room, the whole place, I can honestly say 3,000 people were laughing. Mm. The mm. joy of the Lord 
and my joy was restored. Mm. And that was just one awesome, awesome moment. Mm. And I, I just love telling that mm. story, although it was sad at first. And that person is still my friend, by the way. So I uh, just want you to know that. Uh, let me give you some more scriptures. Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not a matter of just eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an unspeakable, inexpressible, and glorious joy. Nehemiah 8. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I'd just like to add here that joy isn't just about laughter. I mean, that manifestation is a wonderful manifestation. But we draw that joy from that well of salvation. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's like this well deep within that we can draw from and that gives us a strength, which the world doesn't understand how you be strong in those times when you're going through those difficulties because you've got the joy of the Lord in your life. And I really feel that for a lot of people here, you do that. You do that. You draw from that well of salvation because you know what it is to know Jesus in your lives. We were recently in Sweden and uh, had a lovely time just spent with a team. In fact, it was something that we hadn't organized. We were just along a bit for the ride. Jeremy spoke and we did a few things. But we ended up praying for people and the conference was pursuing his presence. And I prayed for one, well, the, yes, yeah, so I prayed for a girl called Nina who leads the church with her husband, Josh. And she was, you know, a bit down at heel. But as I prayed for her, that river of joy started mm. bubbling up. Mm. And she was just laughing mm. uncontrollably without many gin and tonics. She mm. was just away with it. Mm. Then I prayed for someone else, Chloe, and the same thing happened. Mm. Then I left the two of them to it. Mm because you start praying for each other, yeah. it is infectious, but it's a Holy Spirit infectiousness. Yeah. And similarly with another girl at the Younger Leaders Conference, which Chris and Hannah, you are coming on in February, <laughs> talk to your elders. Um, uh, I pray for a girl who was quite upset, she was an American and was missing family, and her family were going through some difficult times in the States. I prayed for her. She cried and cried and cried. Tears then turned into joy. And then I said to her, go and pray for other people. And as she prayed for other people, they too mm. experienced the same thing. Mm. And that is so important. Mm. We don't keep it to ourselves. Mm. We share it out and we give it away. How am I doing for time? Good. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's a wonderful man, no longer alive. He was an amazing preacher in the 19th century in London called Charles Spurgeon. And this is a quote from him. God made human beings as he made his other creatures to be happy. They are capable of happiness. They are in their right element when they are happy. And now that Jesus Christ has come to restore the ruins of the fall, he has come to bring back to us the old joy. Only it shall be even sweeter and deeper than it could have been if we had never lost it. 
A Christian has never fully realized what Christ came to make him until he has grasped the joy of the Lord. Christ wishes his people to be happy. When they are perfect, as he will make them in due time, they shall also be perfectly happy. As heaven is the place of pure holiness, so is it the place of unalloyed happiness. And in proportion, as we get ready for heaven, we shall have some of the joy which belongs to heaven. And it is our Saviour's will that even now his joy should remain in us and that our joy should be full. Excellent. So good. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Anne. That's brilliant. Um, sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who are never in labour, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who's had a husband. Now, that's what God does. He brings his joy. He brings his promise. He brings his faithfulness. He brings his truth to us. Now, we have a responsibility. We do something in response. Therefore, it says in the passage, you do something. You see, when you have a family, you have to prepare rooms for them, don't you? And sometimes you have to move to bigger accommodation to get more bedrooms. And when you are in anticipation of new members of the family, and you guys are in joyful anticipation of new members of the family, you need to get a bigger place. And therefore it says here, in response, do something. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. That's God's promise to you. Now what does that mean for us? Well, Isaiah's using a very familiar picture for them. For They'd been a nomadic people in their past and they were very familiar with a kind of Bedouin tent. And the Bedouin tent was a series of skins or maybe cloths stretched out and then with poles, a little bit like those poles there, supporting the structure and then with tiny cords tying that down and securing it. And they didn't need to move home when they had a new family, they just needed to enlarge their tent. So what they would do, they would sew on new fabric or new skins, and to be honest, it was the women who were the best at this. It's always the women who are the best at this. And the women would do that, and they would enlarge the places of their tents. They'd sew on some new skins, and they'd put up some new poles, and they'd stake it down. And I feel God says to you here in Jubilee, you need to do something in preparation for what I'm about to do. And what you need to do is to find new places to settle in, to be in, and you need to find new support structures to be raised up to carry load-bearing weight. Now, what are those support structures? Well, they're people. They're you. And I believe prophetically, as we bring this in for a landing, God would say this, there are load-bearing men and women, young and old, different nationalities, local-born T-siders, yeah. refugees, asylum seekers, yeah. 
Even a few from the south are allowed in. Only a few. Locals. From the borough. And from Stockton. From the pool. And from Redcar. From Thornaby, or as my friend Phil calls it, Thorn Abbey. Even from Billingham. And from Yarm. And from Great Ayton. And from Stokesley. See, God wants to put footprints all over this area, all over Teesside. And he wants to raise up load-bearing men and women who are in this room today. And you've probably never thought of yourself like that. Oh, the elders, they're the ones who bear all the load, carry all the weight. Actually, that's not true. The Bible says God raises up spiritual shepherds so that the sheep might be healthy. God raises up spiritual leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So our job is to release you into load-bearing capacity. And I believe this is not... So there's two applications for this. There are people who are load-bearing structures, as it were. You're like a a stake. And God God wants you to stand tall today. Now, you might not feel like a stake, but it's how God sees you, not how you see yourself. Sometimes we look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And God looks at the gold that he's put within you. And there are men and women here, young and old, black and white, privileged and non-privileged, educated and non-educated, that God is raising up to be supporting pillars in this place, to carry weight. Now, that's in the church. We need more church leaders. But more importantly, or as important, it's in the workplace. It's in the family. It's in the neighbourhood. It's in the world. Because God wants these structures. He just doesn't want a tent here in Macmillan. He wants the tent to be spread right across Teesside. And wherever you live, wherever you, in your community, he wants you to be raised up as a pillar in the community. Where you work, he wants you to be raised up as a pillar of truth and love and joy in that workplace. Amongst the asylum seeker and refugee community, God's raising up pillars of love and grace and joy. Across, for our young people, God's raising up young people in schools and colleges who are going to be ambassadors for him, load-bearing weights for him, who are going to stand tall and strong and give support to this structure that God is going to stretch right over across Teesside. And God is speaking to some of you. Some of you, you think, well, I'm retired now. Hallelujah. <laughs> You've got a bit more time to be a load-bearing structure in your community. See, don't tell me you don't go anywhere. Don't tell me you don't go to shop anywhere. Don't tell me you don't go for coffee anywhere. Don't tell me you don't go to a place of adult beverage drinking somewhere. (laughs) Don't tell me that you don't go out. Don't tell, because you do. And wherever you go, wherever you are, see, it's 5 to 12 on a Sunday. And we're always in church at 5 to 12 on a Sunday, aren't we? Yes, Jeremy. Apart from next Sunday, by the way, (laughs) because it's in the afternoon. But that's beside the point. What would you be doing at 5 to 12 tomorrow? Just think about it. Because God wants to raise you up as a pillar in that place, in that community, in that environment. Now, there's lots of us who are going to be raised up like these pillars. 
But you might feel this. You might feel, well, that's not me. I'm, I'm not a pillar. I couldn't, I couldn't be that strong structure. Well, it says, strengthen your stakes. And we're going to strengthen some stakes. How are we going to strengthen some stakes? Well, actually, we're going to do that by lengthening some cords. And the truth is this. If we put, I mean, it's not a great, I mean, it's no disrespectful, but, you know, I think if you put that up, any wind would blow it down. Have you ever been to Devoted or North? Yeah, we put some of these tents up. And unless you peg them down, unless you peg them down with cords, those guide ropes, you put them down, you peg them down, any puff of wind will blow it down. It looks lovely when the sun's shining, but any breath, any puff, and it'll go down. It's true, isn't it? And the thing is, you only need a few stakes to be raised up, but you need hundreds of cords to, and guide ropes to peg the thing down. And what I think that is speaking to me about is everyone counts here. You might be raised up as a leader and a pillar in your community, but actually every one of us is called to support everyone. And every one of us, we might not be the stake, we might not be the one who's being raised up like that, but actually we might be the support for them. We might be the one who prays for them. We might be the one who gives time or even finance. We might be the one who is encouraging or, yeah, we're for you, we're with you, we're alongside you. We might not be in that office, but we're kind of with you in spirit. We're not being with you in that classroom, but we're praying for you. We might not be with you when you're standing up for Jesus in that place, but we're supporting you. We might not be in that refugee setting, but we've got such a heart for the nations of the science. We're with you, we're supporting of you, we're there. So everyone in this room counts. Even if you're not yet a Christian, you count. Even if you're an alpha, you're starting, not realising it, to be part of a support structure and an encouragement structure. Everyone counts. Young, old, privileged, not privileged. Different colours, skins, backgrounds, abilities, experience. All count because we're all part of this superstructure of God's kingdom blessing which is going to overshadow Teesside and bring God's glory. God's glory often resides in tents. In the Old Testament, it was a tabernacle tent where God's glory showed up. In the New Testament, John, the apostle, writes this in John chapter 1, he dwelt among us. The Greek is he tabernacled amongst us and reference the message. I think the message says he pitched his tent on planet Earth. See, the glory of God came in a tent called Jesus. And then Jesus says... I'm going to build a temple, a tabernacle called the church, which is the tent of God, the tent of meeting. And it's a mobile tabernacle. It moves around. It goes from office to office, from class to class, from neighbourhood to neighbourhood, from coffee shop to coffee shop, from Aldi to Lidl, and other supermarkets are available, but not as cheap. (laughs) See, God's grace and blessing resides in you. And you're going to be mobile tents right across this place. Now, we're going to end this because we're going to sort of spend the last 15 minutes before the children come back in just by praying with one another. I don't need the band to come back. I'll tell you why. They're part of this. Sometimes we kind of separate off the band and they don't get to join in the fun. And some of them are pillars, I know. So I believe, first of all, just ask God right now. And some of you might need to even point to one another and kind of provoke one another. I think there are some, God is raising up some key pillars across Teesside in offices, in classrooms, in colleges, 
in third space areas where we recreate and have our entertainment or do our hobbies or our sports, in church life, in small group, in alphas. God's raising up pillars, men and women, young and old, rich, poor, privileged, not privileged, experienced, not experienced. All the excuses, you don't get out of them. Too old, no. Too young, no. Too rich, no. Too poor, no. Too southern, well, maybe. (laughs) No. Even the southerners. And I believe today marks a day of identification for you saying, I stand up and I count. God is on me. I might not be the fully formed article yet, but we're going to strengthen you. I might not be doing it all yet. I might be a little stake, but God's going to raise you up and give you strength and authority. So if that's you, if you feel that God is raising you up as a stake, God is raising you up with authority. It's not an arrogant thing to say that. In fact, it's a humble thing. Say, God's chosen me. God's called me. God's done it. It's not me. And you know what the Bible says? God calls the not so special (laughs) to show his glory, to show it's of his grace not of you, because if it was of you, people would say how wonderful you are. But if it's weakness and vulnerability, people say, oh, must be God then, because it ain't you. Nobody gets off this. If that's you, if you feel God has raising me up to be a load-bearing capacity person in community, in work, in education, school, college, in the church, please would you do me the honour of standing right now. Brilliant. Wow. What a big structure God wants across Teesside. If God is raising up this number of stakes, then he's got a massive tent for Teesside, yes? Yes. Right, what I want us to do... Can I just say this? Oh. Some teenagers that need this hand. That's right. Lemonade. <laughs> good girl, good girl. Any, any others around? Our teenagers, you are so much. That's right, part of this. Yeah, right. What I want us to do is the rest of us who are sitting down, who are not enough, by the way, <laughs> uh, we're going to pray for you. But actually what we're going to do is I think we're probably just going to pray around one another in little circles and little groups because we need to strengthen one another. And I want you to do something like symbolic. So if we're praying for Andy, like be a, be a support to him. Like say, it's like you're a, we haven't got to do this literally like this. Val, you might not quite manage that. I don't know, Bill, Bill might not. But you're saying like I'm a support to you. I'm a, I'm a cord to you. I, I'm attached to you. I'm for you. I'm with you in this. So why don't we get into groups? Why doesn't everybody get involved with this? If you're sitting, you're definitely a cord. You're definitely one who's going to be bringing strength. Maybe you're standing near some people saying, we're going to strengthen one another here. So I'm going to ask you to get into little groups of threes or fours maybe, and I'm going to ask everybody in this room, if you're an alpha, find your alpha table, your alpha team. Find your alpha leaders, you're part of this. If you're a guest here, you're honoured and welcome, get involved. If you're an asylum seeker, refugee, you're particularly honoured and welcome here this morning. If you're young, you're welcome. If you're retired, get the picture, you're all welcome. 
So why don't we do that? Let's move into threes or fours to strengthen one another. If you're sitting down, please find someone. Please encourage those who are sitting to be part of this. Don't pray yet. Don't pray yet. Just get together. So leaders might just need to have eyes on this and be aware, making sure people are together in this. It'd be great that nobody, ultimately nobody's sitting down, that we're all around one another in this. Now I appreciate some may physically need to sit down. I have a disabled sister. She always needs to be sitting down. I appreciate that. But you can be standing in your heart and supportive in your heart. So is everybody involved? Now, bodily contact is encouraged. <laughs> this is a contact sport. And we kind of need to touch one another appropriately on the shoulders or whatever. We kind of need to be physical with one another because if tent parts don't touch one another, they're vulnerable, they fall over. So be appropriate, don't be inappropriate. Shoulders are good places to be appropriate in most cultures. So we kind of want to be together in this. So I'm going to just pray over you and then I'd love you guys, you see, I'm not the minister here. You're the ministries. I'm not the priest here. You're the priests. I'm not the one who has the best prayers. You guys have the best prayers. All right? So I'm going to pray just to kick it off and be responsible because I kind of feel a sense of responsibility. But now I feel I want you guys to be praying for one another. Prayers of strength and encouragement and blessing. So is everybody connected somewhere? Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Jubilee Church Teesside. I thank you, Lord, that this is to be a place of joy and blessing and grace and mercy and light and laughter and all your goodness penetrating out into the community. And Lord, wherever we're going to be at five past twelve tomorrow... I pray that the love of Jesus and the grace of God and the light of the gospel would shine out. And I pray, Lord, that you'd raise up my sisters and my brothers. You'd raise up the young and the old. You'd raise up the asylum seekers and the local born. You'd raise up the southerners and the northerners. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd raise up the very educated and, like me, the not very educated. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now, you would strengthen your church to be the church, not on Sunday only, but in life. Let the kingdom come in life. Let the kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth right now as it is already in heaven in the name of Jesus. Now start to pray strength. Strengthen, my brothers and sisters. Pray strength. Pray out loud. Pray for one another. Name one another. Prophesy over one another. Encourage one another right now in Jesus' name.